Erev Tov, we spent a long time going through Bereshit in depth and studying it with a wisdom-seeking spirit and trying to find the, the real depth of the Peshat, the real depths of the simple understanding of the text. And we kind of came to the conclusion that the text, even understood simply, is not so simple at all. Um, throughout our time studying, we came across a lot of deep messages and lessons and themes that ran through the text. And what, what you begin to realize if you learn the Torah carefully is that the, the Torah is, is really impossibly complex. It's extremely complex to the extent that if you read it and know it and understand it and appreciate all of the different storylines that you, you're following at the same time and all of the different lessons, the more you study, the more you, you realize that this is obviously the work of God and that no human intelligence could have created such a thing. So with that in mind, uh, we want to do two things. I want to summarize the book of Bereshit to, for it to be our closing remarks to the shiurim that we've been giving on all of Sefer Bereshit. I want to summarize the book of Bereshit, but I also want to run through many of the themes that are taking a parallel trajectory throughout the text. So that what makes, again, what makes Bereshit so complex is that there are so many themes that are being explored simultaneously. And the stories are, are just beautifully and brilliantly managing 15 different themes at the same time and are helping us get an education on all of those different ideas. And it all happens seamlessly and everything is running through parallel. And the text is able to manage all of these different storylines at the same time in a way where the more you, you study those storylines and you see how complex the text really is, Again, the more you're, you're humbled by the brilliance of it all. So th- we'll begin with the summary of what the story of Bereshit is about. Bereshit, the story of Bereshit, begins with the creation of the world, obviously, as the setting for everything. And then we go to the story of Adam and Chava. And the story of Adam and Chava kind of introduced us to the basic problems of the human condition. The problems of how we deal with our ability to imagine our consciousness our ability to remember the past, how we deal with the animal temptations that are still with us, that are with us despite the fact that we have this human intelligence that comes from our Tzelem Elohim. It explores what happens when humans develop intelligence and come to terms with their mortality and the difficulty that humans have in keeping away from temptation. Those are all some of the themes that are explored in Adam and Chava's story. And what we see quickly upon the conclusion of the Adam and Chava story is that by the time man left uneducated gets to the time of Noah, people are eating each other alive, people are uh, killing each other for no reason, and the land is filled with treachery. So what, what Bereshit explores is, is the fact that man left uneducated cannot successfully create society. And at that point, society must be destroyed and started once again with Noah. And then when Noah comes on the scene, he's given some laws. After he's saved on the ark, he's given some laws. And those laws are supposed to help society get to a point where they can thrive and they could succeed, but it's still not enough. And they end up building the Tower of Babel, creating a society that worships the technology of Babel, and that ends up becoming kind of like a totalitarian society that we explored together earlier. 
And with that said, the narrative shifts from the story of mankind to the solution to the problem of mankind, which we brilliantly explored in the first 12 chapters. And the solution to all of the problems of mankind is not to try and educate all of society as a whole, but to focus on one man and hopefully one family and then hopefully one nation in the land of Israel that will kind of introduce God's way to the world and show the world how a good society is built. And only once that one man turned family, turned nation, is happily and successfully living in their land, in the land of Israel, can then the rest of the societies of the earth learn from them and uh, gain from what they from the education that they can provide. That is really the story of Bereshit in a nutshell. And from beginning to end, Bereshit takes us from introducing the problems of mankind, and it ends with the creation, successful creation, of the covenantal family. Later books, like Sefer Shemot, will explore the conversion of that, nation, of that family into a nation. And then later books in Tanakh, like Sefer Yoshua, explores that nation eventually coming into Eretz Yisrael. So it's a long story. We're only seeing a snapshot of it in Genesis and Bereshit. But that is really what the story is all about on a very, in a very broad way. Now in terms of just to enlighten us and to remind us of all of the various themes that we've been exploring in Bereshit and we've been learning about throughout Bereshit, I'm going to run through about 20 different themes that we explored throughout our study of Bereshit. And once you look at them and you kind of appreciate how they're all being explored simultaneously, again, it should be a very humbling experience. So we begin, one theme that we saw and that began in the story of Adam and Chava. We'll begin with the themes that begin all the way in the beginning of Adam and Chava. Again, you could refer back to our shirim on Adam and Chava for a deep analysis of what they all meant. But... The first theme that we have is the theme of nakedness and shame. And that is the deep idea that we presented in the story of Adam and Chava, that a person's nakedness is considered shameful, that's why we wear clothes, and that is because the nakedness of a person represents their mortality and their, uh, their inability to cope with their mortality, the, that a person's, uh, the private areas of a person are, the, are, are a person's most vulnerable places because they represent the only solution we have to our mortality. And that is why Adam is the first man to cover up those organs. But then we see that theme continuing with Noah, whenever Noah uncovers himself after coming off the ark and that being a source of shame for him. And then later with Lot, as he uncovers himself to his own family, again, the theme of nakedness and the shame of that nakedness is explored in those stories. Another theme that we explore throughout all of Bereshit are the dangers of physical beauty. The first inkling of this being a problem is explored in the story of Adam and Chava, when Chava looks at the tree and she sees that it's beautiful and desirable to the eyes, and it's enjoyable to look at, look at and how the, in, the beauty of the tree is what ultimately gets her to give in to the temptation. So we're introduced to the idea that physical beauty will be a huge stumbling block for man going forward, and we see that stumbling block continue whenever the men of God or B'nai HaElohim saw the binot Adam ki tovotenna using the same word tovot. And that was the precursor to the story of Noah that men were taking women that were not their wives and were taking them by force because of their beauty. That's what caused the destruction of society and led to the story of Noah. 
But then we see the dangers of physical beauty again explored in the story of Adam and Sarah and how Sarah's beauty led them multiple times into the hands of dictators and, and strong men who would try to take Sarah from Abraham because she was beautiful. And then finally we have the dangers of beauty explored with Rachel and Leah, which we explained Leah being the productive sister and Rachel being the beautiful sister. And it almost seems like the Torah is trying to present us and convince us that it is the productive sister and the productive wife who is to be more sought after than the beautiful wife who is loved purely for her beauty. Another theme that we see that begins all the way at the beginning of Bereshit are the dangers of power and our susceptibility to tyrannical rule. In Bereshit, we first see this when the Nachash goes to Chava and tells her, if you eat from the tree, you'll be like gods who know good and bad. And what perhaps tempts Chava into taking from the tree is that innate human desire to be like a god. Maybe the desire to be like a god is, is another latent way of us trying to cope with our mortality. But that is Chava, that is the story that begins with Chava, but it continues with the story of the Migdal Bavel, um, where in, in the story of Bavel, man tries to turn themselves or society, their society into a godly society. And that's why the Midrashim there told us that their building that tower in order to protect themselves from the elements was a kind of rebellion against God. And there we saw the desire of man to be all-powerful, even on a societal level. And then we see, again, the dangers of power with Egypt when Yosef, when there's no food in the land of Egypt and Yosef, goes to the people and he's selling them food and the people beg Yosef to sell themselves into slavery to Yosef in exchange for food. And there we saw how man has this innate desire to be controlled for the sake of protection. And the desire for freedom and liberty is a lot more, uh, is a lot rarer than the desire for protection and for, um, and for security and safety. Another theme that we see all the way from the beginning of Bereshit is man's superiority over animals. This, we even see it in the first parak of Bereshit when God creates the world and he creates, he creates animals but he uses, and uses the word bara for the creation of animals but then again use the word bara meaning creation ex nilo for the creation of man and he blessed and he gave man a tzelem Elohim and God gave man the, a, a blew into him the spirit of God and that's when humans became superior to animals even in, in the beginning of Bereshit it says and you will control the, the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and we see that also in the story of Adam and Chava, when Adam names the animals and the naming creature, Adam, obviously is superior to the creatures being named because by naming them, he's categorizing them and showing that he is superior to them. Then we see the superiority of, over animals appear, appearing once again with Noah when he is told that he can eat the animals and we said that perhaps that is in order to train the human mind to see themselves as superior to animals so that they do not continue to kill other people and behave like animals. So we see that with the eating of food, that Noah is, is told that he can eat the food. And then finally we have the Jews and the, the typical uh, occupation that the Jews like to take up, which is shepherding, which is rulership and leadership and control over animals. One more theme that we saw in the story of Adam and that, we, that began in the story of Adam was the burying of loved ones. And that goes from the fact that Man is molded and created out of the dust of the earth 
but must be returned there eventually. That theme is continued with Avraham, with Yaakov, and with Yosef, all of whom are either buried or buried in the land of Israel. And the meaning there is that, the, is that despite the fact that the Egyptians like to mummify their dead and do not let go of the physical world, the Jewish mind is able to let go of the physical world and knowing that the, the body is just borrowed and is from the ground, we're able to cope with the fact that the body goes away. We put it underground and forget about it because we know that the spiritual existence, which is the real existence, lives on after that. Finally, uh, one more theme that starts in Bereshit and Adam and Chava is the tree of life. The tree of life seemingly representing the Torah is protected in the garden by the Kiruvim. And we see that same tree of life, that Torah is protected by the Kiruvim in the Mishkan. So that's one of those really long themes in which the story of, of, of the creation of the building of the Mishkan kinds of clo- closes the loop from what we saw first in the story of Adam and Chava when the Kiruvim were protecting the Torah over there. And of course, there is one more theme that we kind of touched on, but that is, can man play God? And that is something that we see when Chava takes, again, wants to become like gods by taking from the fruit. But then we see that in the story of Yosef. And, and Yosef kind of, it kind of rem- almost reminds you of the book, The Count of Monte Cristo, which also explores this idea in which we, we want to see if, if man can play God and can manipulate history to his, own, to his own will. But really, the theme there is that Yosef is completely under the will of God, and that he, Yosef, comes to the conclusion that it's not for him to play God, but that he has to defer himself to God himself. And, and that is where a person's success comes from. More themes. Now we're going to do themes that started with the Cain and Hevel story. So in the Cain and Hevel story, we, we saw the story, the concept of Teshuvah, how Cain is told that if he were to improve, he will have an uplifting. But if he does not improve, la peta chatatrovetz, sin is crouching at the door. And we saw that the teshuvah theme further elaborated with, with um, some of the, the, the kings that tried to take Sarah from Abraham, where they were told that they have to go back and beg for forgiveness from the man, Kinavihu, and he will pray for you and you will live. We see the theme of Teshuvah with Yehuda when, when he said, Tzadikami Meni, instead of uh, to Tamar, saying that Tamar is right. And then we see the theme of, of Teshuvah really explored with Yosef and his brothers, explored in great detail there, and how the complete Teshuvah is one in which a person can go back to the same scenario and behave differently. The second time. Next, we have the theme of the rejection of the firstborn. It's one of those themes that appears in, in, in Bereshit and throughout all of Tanakh in that the Torah does not place significance on the firstborn the same way the Egyptians do. Egyptian society worships the firstborn and the Torah does not. Cain is not the chosen brother. Uh, it actually is Shet who is the third brother who is the chosen brother from which humanity comes. We see uh, throughout all of Bereshit, we see Avraham having to choose Yitzchak over Ishmael, despite the fact that Ishmael was the firstborn. Then, of course, merits. then and what? It's more on your merits. Exactly, it goes by the merit of the person and not by the by the birth order. Uh, we saw it by Yitzchak um, choosing Yaakov or having to choose Yaakov over Esav, despite Esav's firstborn status. And then we see it with Yehuda and Reuven how Yehuda was chosen over Reuven despite Reuven's firstborn status. Another theme that's explored is the rivalry between farmers and shepherds. We see it 
in Cain and Hebel's story, and then we see that rivalry continuing all the way between Egypt and Israel when the Egyptians would not sit with the brothers because they were shepherds. So that rivalry continues for some reason throughout all of Bereshit. Um, and then uh, the next story that, that we'll, we start seeing themes from is the story of Noah. And there we see in the Noah story how Noah is placed on an ark and the same way Moshe is eventually placed in te- Teva in this week's parasha, in our parasha, in Shemot. And that is to connect Noah to Moshe in that Noah is the first lawgiver for the Goyim and Moshe becomes the lawgiver ultimately for the Jewish people. Uh, then we see in the descendants of Noah, we see a very, very important theme which happens, which comes about with the story of Shem, Ham, and Yefet, or, or Shem, Ham, and Yefet, when Noah was unrobed after he came off the Teva, and how Ham, because he disrespected his father, he was cursed. And from then on, throughout all of Bereshit, we have this theme of the descendants of Ham being kept out of the covenant. Ishmael was the son of an Egyptian woman who was descendant of Ham, and he was kept out. The Canaanites are rejected outright, and nobody marries into the Canaanites. And anytime they do marry the Canaanites, there are problems. We are always told to stay away from the Canaanites. They are also descendants of Ham. So that's a major theme that continues throughout all of Bereshit, is the rejection of the, of the children of Ham because of what he did to Noah, and the disrespect he showed to his father, and how his descendants would become slaves. And back then we said that is because a person learns to fend for oneself, and to be able to provide for himself from his father. Ham's rejection of the father figure led him and his descendants into slavery. The next theme start from Avraham, and that's uh, I mean there there are plenty of them, and we see already starting from the story of Avraham, we see the Torah starts to to show us that women have this intuition into human into the human mind that sometimes men can't have. Men are often preoccupied with glory and success and power and strength. And the women are often the ones who realize that it is not the physical strength that makes a person good, but the internal goodness. We, th- we see this with Sarah, who is able to spot the fact that Ishmael is no good, and that Hashem tells Abraham to listen to Sarah. And we see that with Rivka, who also has to show, ya- show Yitzchak that it's not Esav, the strong one, who is the good son, but it is Yaakov, the quiet and timid one, who is really the chosen one of God. Um, we see the theme of God's hashkacha over us, God's uh, overseeing events in our lives. We see it start with Abraham, how Abraham is protected, and God is bringing diseases over into Paro's house because he takes the wife of Abraham. But that theme of God managing events without our knowing continues all the way from Abraham, and it goes all the way till Yosef and to the brothers, where Yosef on his way to seeing the brothers, bumps into a man, a random man, but this man points him to the city of Dotan, where in that city he finds his brothers. If that man were not there, the whole saga of Yosef would have never happened. And then the whole story of Yosef itself is to show us that it is God who is managing events and that it is not us. Another major theme brought down by the Ramban that starts with Avraham is the Maaseh Avot Siman Labanim. And we see this throughout all of, of uh, the stories of Avraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, that they kind of repeat themselves in Shemot with Am Yisrael going down to Egypt and then leaving Egypt. They also seem to repeat themselves in later echoes in history, um, but that is, that is something that you need to study more modern history to see. Another theme that starts with Avraham is the power of Tefillah. 
Abraham and Eliezer both pray. Abraham prays for the healing of the house of Paro. Eliezer pr prays for finding a wife for, for Abraham's son. Yitzchak and Rivka pray for children. Yaakov, he prays on his way out of Israel and he prays before his meeting with Esav. And every single time the tefillah is answered and that shows us the power and the significance of prayer. That's another theme that's explored starting with Abraham. Also in Abraham, we start to see the theme of dreams as revelation from God. Abraham has a dream. Uh, Abraham, the, the Abimelech, has a dream uh, when, when he, was, uh, he, took, he had taken Sarah from Abraham. Yaakov has a dream when he's, when he's leaving Israel for the first time and when he's coming back. Yosef, of course, we know the Yosef story with the dreams and how Yosef can intuit what the dreams mean. These are all revelations from God. And of course, Paro's dreams being a revelation to Yosef about what God is going to do to Egypt. Again, more themes that uh, started all the way back when we started talking about Abraham. Uh, another, a, minier, a smaller theme that we saw starting from Abraham was Achnasat Ochim and concern for others. That's a theme that we saw between Abraham and Lot. It started from Abraham, and we compared the way Abraham took care of others, and we compared that to Lot. Uh, a major theme that starts with Abraham is the difficulty in, in, in bearing children. Uh, all of the imahot are barren, whether it's Sarah, whether it's Rivka, or whether it is Rachel. They all are barren, and maybe the lesson there is to teach the imahot the significance and the value of kids. If Borei Olam wants our avot to train kids in the way of God, then he wants them to value their kids and to realize that they're precious. If they were to take these kids for granted, they may not have led them in the way of God. But that is a major theme. Um, uh, another miniature theme we see is leaving home and making decisions for oneself. Abraham is told to go from his father's house, and that's a decision he has to make on his own. The reason he's not brought to Israel initially by, without being told is because God wants to see him make the choice to go to Israel. And we saw that theme continue with Rivka, interestingly, who, very similar to Abraham, had to leave her house on her own. Right before Rivka wanted to leave, uh, her brother wanted to try to keep her back, and she had to end up making the choice for herself to go to Abraham's house. Another theme we see is marriages that happen by a well. That is by Eliezer, it happens by, uh, by Yaakov, and it also happens in this week's parashat to Moshe. And the theme there and the meaning there may be that uh, marriage is supposed to produce offspring and the well is, is connected to water, which represents continuity and offspring. And maybe that may be the theme there. Uh, later on in Bereshit, we see other themes and we're, we're concluding the, the, this, this um, summary of all the themes. Uh, we see the theme of hard work and industriousness in Yaakov and his dealings with Lavan and Yosef and Mitzrayim and how they work, worked hard and were very good at what they did. And for that reason, Borei Olam was with them and made them successful. We see the concerns for assimilation creep up later in the book of, of Bereshit with Yaakov and Esav and how Yaakov has to keep away from Esav. And also with the Jews in Egypt, which we, which we spoke about at depth in depth uh, and how the Jews being in Egypt was going to pose a difficulty for them in keeping their distance from Egyptian culture. And then finally, at the very end of the book, we start to explore the concept of leadership. And leadership is most explored in the Yehuda versus Yosef fiasco, and of course the Yehuda versus Reuven fiasco. Reuven is rejected outright, and we have the choice between Yehuda and Yosef. We see in Yehuda character, the, the dignity that is required for a leader not to abuse his power when he doesn't 
abuse his power in, in uh, killing Tamar. And we see the oratory that Yudah has, the ability to convince and to convince people uh, to his way of thinking, which is so essential to a person who wants to be a leader. And that is uh, the Yehuda versus Yosef. And that, that theme of leadership between Yehuda and Yosef is going to continue throughout all of Tanakh because the two leading tribes are going to be Yehuda and Ephraim, who is the main son of Yosef. That was a summary of all of the themes and many of the themes, not even all of them, that we studied in Bereshit. Um, other interesting things about the book of Bereshit is that it is incredibly, incredibly careful with the word, with, with the words it uses throughout the whole book. We saw very often, I would point to a word and show you that that word appeared in three other stories earlier from the text. And we started comparing all of those words. The fact that Borei Olam is so careful with the word usage in Bereshit also lends to the complexity of the book overall. And we see that most applicable in the names of God, how that we see a constant switching between the names Shaddai, between Elohim, and between Adonai. And each one of those names of God means something else and represent a different way of God's relating to humanity. So all in all, with all these themes that we've explored, and all these themes being uh, told about simultaneously, we, we get to the end of Bereshit in which the family gets to Mitzrayim as a whole. The family is complete. We completed that cycle. We completed that part of the story. And now we have a family that's going in the way of God. The next part of the book talks about, and Shemot, as an introduction to Shemot, Shemot begins with the creation of the nation out of that family. And while in Bereshit we spoke about more abstract morality, uh, we didn't really have any laws in Bereshit, except for a few. In Shemot, because the nation comes into form in Shemot, we start to see actual laws, starting with the accepting, receiving of the Torah, the Ten Commandments, and of course, the second half of the book of Shemot talks about all the laws that must guide the people that are ready, that are a ready nation. And I think uh, the approach we should have to Shemot is, once we've been humbled by the brilliance of Bereshit and have seen God's hand in the creation of such a difficult and complex book, we should now look to Shemot with excitement for the fact that this God that wrote the book of Bereshit is now about to command us specific things that we are supposed to do. And if anything, the humility that we've gained after reading Bereshit and after seeing Bereshit should lead us to better observance of the laws that we will see and we will learn about in Sefer Shemot. Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen. 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 Amen.